You're listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast, a recording of the Sunday sermons from Christ Church Toronto. Christ Church Toronto is a new church in Toronto's East End that seeks to practice the ancient Christian faith today. We would love for you to join us in the future, but until then, please turn your attention to the scripture reading. The scripture reading is from 1 Peter 3, verses 8 to 12. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. This is the word of the Lord for our church, and it is given for our good. Everyone at this church is so tall. Please join me in prayer. Um, Father God, Lord, we thank you so much just for this Thanksgiving. There's so much to thank you for. Um, We ask that you can help us to have attentive ears. Um, Our attention may be towards you and all that you've done. We ask for your spirit to help us understand this text and to help us to um, really see the sin in our lives, but also to see your amazing grace as well. So we ask that you speak, O Lord, for your people listen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The good life, is this something that we all want and desire? I would say that it's one of those universal truths. It's as true as one plus one equals two that we all want to have the good life. But what is the good life? Jim Carrey, an actor that I'm sure you've all heard of, he was in the most recent movie, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, as the the villain, Dr. Robotnik. He was also in movies like Bruce Almighty, The Truman Show, and The Mask. I would say he's quite a successful actor. He's one who won eight, or was nominated for eight uh, Golden Globe Awards, and he's won two of them. As successful as he was, he has this quote that has stuck with me for a really long time, and he says this. I hope everybody could get rich and famous and will have everything they ever dreamed of, so they will know that is not the answer. Well, if Mr. Jim Carrey is telling us that the good life is not about wealth, fame, prestige, even following our dreams, what must the good life be about? And I think in our text today, Peter is trying to tell us what this good life is. He is trying to communicate to these Christians in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey, what this is. He says, to obtain a blessing and to experience good days, in his words. And he's telling the church, you and I, that the good life is connected and linked to righteous living. And this righteous living is connected to God's blessing. 
God blesses the righteous. God, through Peter, is telling us that we ought to live righteous lives so that you may obtain a blessing. And he tells us how to live this righteous life in two ways. First, the righteous life is about um, sorry, speaking peace and pursuing it. And second, the righteous life is about blessing those who do evil against us. So the first point, we are to seek peace and pursue it. Peace means more than non-conflict. In the Hebrew sense, peace is about a type of wholeness or a completeness. It is about having health and prosperity. And for our purposes, I think it's helpful to think about it as a welfare or well-being. We are to seek the well-being and pursue it. And you might ask yourself, who's well-being? What, what is this well-being? Well, I think Peter is telling us in verse 8 as he addresses all of you. We ought to seek the well-being of the whole church. If you recall, Peter in chapter 2 sets an identity forth to these individuals. He tells them that they are living stones being built up into a spiritual house. He's telling them that they are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a God of, of his own possession. And those are things that are absolutely true for you and I, that we are God's own possession. As cringy as it may sound, we are, we are family, right? We are brothers and sisters, not in some general sense, but in a very real sense. But how are we to seek the well-being of this church, this, this family? And I think Peter lays out five different types of virtues that we ought to pursue. The first, we are a church that needs to have unity of mind. And this doesn't mean that we just need to agree on every single thing. But I think there is a unity found in something far more greater than our human matters. But it is a unity that is shared amongst this common faith and this common hope that we have, the faith in Jesus Christ. And we ought to be unified in that way. We're also called to have sympathy, to actually feel for one another, not just hear each other out. When one member in this community is, is mourning and experience hardship, we ought to share in that suffering. When one individual is rejoicing, we ought to share in that joy. We're also called as a church to have brotherly love. And I think this brotherly love can be understood as a more familial type of love. As we, the church, are a family, we ought to love one another. And in a very real sense, we are united together by the faith. We're not just strangers that happen to go to the same church, even though you might not know everyone's name or their personal lives. We are this family. We're also, as a church, called to be tender-hearted. It's very similar to sympathy, I'd say. I think this is a calling for the church to be compassionate towards one another, to have a deep care and love here. And lastly, to have a humble mind to actually regard the other before yourself, that their worries and that their cares may become yours as well. That rather than pride getting in the way in our relationships, that we can actually seek opportunity to serve one another. And this is our calling. This is what Peter is trying to lay out to us, that we ought to embody these virtues, to have these virtues. And may I ask, is the church of Christ a place where you find unity? 
when you find this love? Are we a people that are humble in mind of great sympathy towards one another? Is our church, Christ Church Toronto, seeking the well-being of the other? And if you've been in church for a while, I bet the answer would be maybe sometimes. But I'd like to point out that this is truly an immense challenge. It, it is really hard. And over and over again, whether you have experience or have stories about people getting hurt in the church, perhaps even in hindsight, you've, there's deep regret that you've, the thing that you said or the thing that you've done towards someone else. Those whom you have hurt, those whom you have been hurt by actually might be sitting in this room, just sitting on the other side, and you made sure to sit on the other side. You dare not look up in shame and in bitterness. Friends, <clears throat> I like to suggest that rather than pointing the finger, as we are all prone to do, that we can really see and understand that we are all part of the problem. We must seek the peace of the other as recipients of God's unmerited grace, the grace that you and I do not deserve, will we not share and show that grace to another? What might this look like in your life? Are there relationships that you might need to mend? Are there bitternesses and anger and frustrations that you might actually need to confront and pray about? Friends, in order for us to live righteous lives, we must seek the peace of another. And I think when the church begins to do this, to actually seek the peace of the church, the well-being of the church, we reflect the quality and the instruction that Peter is trying to tell us to do in this next. For he tells us we ought to bless those who do evil against us. I think this might be one of the most difficult things that the Bible tells us to do. We are so prone to talk back, to retaliate, to even seek revenge. I'm sure we've all been in situations where someone might speak poorly about you and you feel your blood pressure going up, the pride bubbling up within you, almost like a pot about to overflow. We say things we ought not to say. We do things we know we'll regret deeply later. And we think the most absurd and wicked thoughts. In some instances, I think this retaliation might even come afterwards. Perhaps you're in a meeting or with a group of friends and you see it to be wiser not to say something to their face right in that moment, but instead to go behind their backs and talk about them deceitfully to whomever is around, your friends, your family. Something that I found myself doing is not necessarily these things, but I would distance myself from certain individuals that when I feel hurt, when I feel frustrated about a certain type of thing that someone has done, right, that I'll, I'll continue, to, I'll start to grow apathetic and I'll move away from them. I might sit even somewhere away from them, right? I might leave the small group that I was part of, right? Maybe even consider leaving the church and finding a new community. This command is more than biting the tongue. Right? This is a difficult command that Peter is trying to tell us to do. This instruction, if it were just simply not to retaliate, I can probably see some of us doing, right, just to kind of brush it off, like, oh, it's not a big deal. 
But this is, is, is a call for us to bless, to bless those who do evil against us, to actually do good towards them, to actually love them and show them grace when we face trials and injustices. A righteous life, as you could imagine, and after all that I've said, is, is one that is not absent of hardships and struggles. Whether you face opposition before, we will continue to experience it, whether in this community or from the outside. And in a more and more secularizing culture in a city, I think we will face this type of opposition. And perhaps you've even experienced it yourself in the institutions that you're working at, the policies that come about, in your friend groups, family, coworkers. Maybe you might even face some opposition this Thanksgiving when you're at a meal with your family or friends. And as Toronto strays further and further away from God, I'm sorry to say, it's probably something that you don't want to hear. Suffering will come. It's, it's a real part of the Christian life. And this righteous life that Peter is describing to us is not one that is made up by him, but it is one instructed by his Lord and Savior, Jesus himself. But Jesus says this, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbors and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Friends, let us be a people that love our enemies, prays for those who do evil against us, who persecute us. But only then, I think we are truly exemplifying what a son and daughter of God looks like. As those who have been saved, friends, this grace that you and I have received, let us show this grace forward. What does this look like? I think there's one application that I was thinking about. And after all that I've said, you might be thinking, well, maybe the Christian life is just about getting taken advantage of, being trampled over. And I'd like to suggest that it is not. Perhaps the most, blessing, most blessed thing that we could do for someone when we are hurt is to actually tell them about it. Not in a frustrated, angry way, but in a great, with great love and kindness, with one that really does reflect the five virtues that Peter is instructing us to do. And perhaps, even in showing this type of kindness, a friendship may be restored. Repentance might come about. And I feel like we, we, we hope the same for ourselves as well. And friends, you might be wondering why. Why commit to this? This is so hard. What an immense challenge it is. Why not just give up? Give up? What's the point? And this is the point. Because God's promise is found there. It is found in the righteous life. It is found when we seek the well-being of the other, when we bless those who do evil against us. If you read in verse 9, Peter says this, For to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. The righteous life is a life that obtains the blessing of God. This is what the righteous life is called to. And this may sound like a type of works righteousness talk. You know, if you do X, Y, and Z, that you would, you would receive righteousness or a blessing, right? But it is not. We must understand that this blessing is ultimately was accomplished for you and I. It is accomplished by Jesus Christ himself. And he gives it to you. 
that he is the righteous man. He is the one who perfectly sought the church, his people. He is the one who restores what was lost in sin to have fellowship with him. And not only this, he is the one who does not retaliate. He blesses that when he was treated unjustly as an innocent man, when he was spat on and mocked, instead of sending 12 legions of angels that would just annihilate all those who do evil against him, instead he blesses them with his perfect obedience that he lived the life that you and I ought to have lived. He died the death that you and I deserve. This is the righteousness that he gives. This is the blessing that you and I receive as children of God Most High. And this is given to the church, and the blessing is found right there. This is a blessing that you obtain in light of what Christ has done, and God's face is ever before you. If you read in verse 12, he tells us the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayers. Friends, it is an absolute true reality that you and I, that God's eyes are before us and he hears our prayers. He knows what you are going through. He knows what struggles and tragedies that you might experience. And he hears your prayers. Even when we feel like we're praying and these prayers just kind of vanish in midair. We're praying to a brick wall. In light, I hope that you can see in light of what Jesus has done, that his face is ever before you. And if you look again at verse 9, I think there's something, something odd happening here. For he says this, For to this that you were called that you may obtain a blessing. By everything I just said, don't we already have it? Isn't this a blessing that you and I have? Isn't God's face towards us right now, right here? And the answer is absolutely yes. But I think Peter here is trying to be very intentional with his language. He's trying to hint at something that's going on about a blessing that has yet to come. And let me illustrate this. A friend and I bought John Mayer tickets this past um, year, probably around this time. And, and if you know me, I am an absolute huge fan. A poor student became an even poorer student. We got ground floor tickets. And I, when, we, when we bought it, I began to get so excited, right? I was counting down the days, and, and anticipation and excitement grew within me. And when that day came, May 3rd, in Scotiabank Arena, when he played song after song, it was just amazing. The production was amazing. Friends, God, it is absolutely true that God's face is ever before you right now. You don't merely have a ticket that grants you access to him. Buying a ticket will never bring me a relationship with John Mayer, right? But this is what God has done, that you have been saved by him to have restored relationship with him. That you can have union and communion with God. However, there will be a day when you are face to face with him. As marvelous and amazing as this concert was, how, more, how much more infinitely marvelous and glorious that day will be when you are with God forevermore. Far more glorious than anything that this world has to offer. Friends, on that day, your faith will be turned to sight. That your tears will be wiped away by him. The fullness of this blessing will one day come. 
praise God for all that he has done for his people, all that he has done for you and I. He has made a way for you and I to know him here and now, but also have this excitement and expectation and anticipation for what is to come as well. What is the good life? The good life is about living a righteous life, a life that obtains God's blessing here and now and for all of eternity. Let us pray. Father God, what an excitement, what an anticipation that we have as we look to you and all that you give us. We give you thanks that this salvation is not one that is far off, but one is absolutely real for the church here and now. But Lord, we also wait for the day where you come back and that we can glorify you, sing to you, be with you for all of eternity, forevermore. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Christ Church Toronto podcast. For more information about our church, you can visit our website at ChristChurchToronto.ca or email us at info at ChristChurchToronto.ca.